Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday edition of the Two Guys in a Mic Show. We were off yesterday. Mucho, mucho apologetico for that uh, big dog and a coach. Little uh, transportational difficulties, technical difficulties, whatever you want to call it. We do our best to make up for today, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll be with you one hour a day talking sports and more. Normally, it's Monday through Friday, five days a week, one hour a day, five and total plenty. To go over today, including Residue Tuesday, we pick up some of the lost residue from the weekend that was in sports. And, of course, we'll look ahead and surge ahead to the weekend ahead, which includes a holiday also known as Christmas. And, by the way, uh, David Olson, am I correct in wishing a happy Hanukkah to our, uh, Hanukkah to our Jewish brethren out there? I know it's uh, late Yeah, I, I, it's Hanukkah. I'm not sure if it's day one or if it's day eight right now. Okay. So it's not in the middle. It's either the start or the it's end? It's either the start or the finish. Dedication to accuracy right here yeah, in the Two Guys exactly. and a Mike Show. Big Dog and a Coach at your service. Thank you very much. we got plenty to talk about. Big Dog and not on the line just yet. He'll be checking in with us. Yes, Mr. David Olson, producer X. I can now confirm that tonight is the first night of Hanukkah. First night? First night of Hanukkah. All right, so happy Hanukkah to our Jewish brethren out there. Beautiful. All right, so Hanukkah running late this year, almost uh, coincide. I wonder if it ever happens where it's the same day as Christmas. And, boy, what a controversy. Well, not a controversy, but they're making it a controversy. The right wing on the whole happy holidays, Merry Christmas thing. And that is much ado about nothing and uh, so much, much ado about nothing that we're not going to get into it. On today's particular show, we got plenty to catch up from the weekend that was. And I also, interestingly, read our Facebook page. I don't know if that was the Commander-in-Chief Chris Whitting, our producer, David Olson, or one of our many outstanding interns. But apparently, in addition to the sports recap, the Big Dog has prepared a, uh, I don't know if it'll be a humorous, possibly a historical look at the reign of Kim jong to the uh, dearly deceased, well, not so dearly deceased, dictator in North Korea. So we'll add that to the sports talk. Big dog, I didn't know that was on the docket, but I read that on the Facebook t- page today. I'm impressed that you've done your his- research on the Bears and Kim Jong too. Uh, coach, to be quite honest with you, I don't know which one of the admins added that, but I have, I, I did not know this, and I'm not prepared to believe this or not. Really? So they put that I- in without you being aware of it? Uh, this is true, but believe uh-huh. it or not, I've always been an avid fan of uh, Kim Jong Il. And uh, if you remember, I used to I used to call him Kumsuk Hill on the on the old show, <laughs> and you didn't notice for five years. Uh-huh. It took five or six years before you or Kevin Horan noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot which one of you did, and you were like, "Please don't call him that name anymore." I would have thought know. somebody from okay, the somebody from the Federal Communications uh, Commission might have discovered that. Well, uh, it went on for five years. And, and you know what? Like, I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was like, I can, you say it every time. She's like, you bring up North Korea just so you can say that. I'm like, I know, I realize that. <laughs> well, I remember, you're, I remember you're a running back partner at McMurray College named Richard Mifuka, who we, oh, missed, we almost mispronounced a couple times. Uh, this is no joke. He was he was a Hall of, McMurray Hall of Fame <laughs> uh, 
uh, fullback, no, excuse me, forward on the soccer team coach. He was he was just in the McMurray Hall of Fame, and there was mm-hmm. this picture of this very, very striking, handsome African-American gentleman. I should say just African gentleman because he was from Nigeria, and his name was Rich Mavaka. It's simple as that. But I don't know why I just said his name. Don't get upset at me, people. His right. name was Rich Mavaka. We call him Mafuka on this particular show. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember as a PE teacher having to introduce a brand new kid. This is back like in fourth and fifth grade, young, pretty young kids, and his first name was Bumsuck. I forget his last name, but Dong. I don't think it was that bad, but uh, that's 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 not an easy thing to introduce to a bunch of fourth and fifth grade kids. No, no, no. Bumsuck, give me a high five, baby. Oh, Basically, if you're a parent, you have to have the kid entrenched in the community. You can only move until like second grade. After second grade, yes. When kids, no, you, you're you're done yeah. until high school. Yeah, so. it's just not. I think it translated to Hank in English. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but uh, big girl, great to talk to you. I apologize to our listeners out there for not being on yesterday. Mucho mucho apologies. We'll try to make up for it today. Plenty. To talk about, first and foremost, my friend, hopefully you had a uh, outstanding weekend. You're happy and healthy, or at least one out of the two. Uh, well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely healthy. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm, well, I don't know about definitely. There might be stuff on my innards that may not be good, but who knows. And uh, But happy, I don't know how happy I am after what, what happened this particular weekend in terms of sports, uh, whatever, but in, in my life, extremely happy. Mm-hmm. This past weekend, there is so much to talk about, Coach. And the most important thing is, like, Kim Jong-il died. There's a lot of, like, other stuff going on in the world. I know we do kind of like a sports show. My goodness, I just should have got on yesterday and just taken care of everything we needed to talk to about the weekend so we can just start out open coach. Is it uh, David Olson dedication to accuracy? I'm not sure when we started that, but we're trying to make it. It's one of our New Year's resolutions. Uh, it's never been one of our great strengths. Is it Kim jong Two or Kim Jong-il? It's Kim Jong-il. Il. Yeah. Interesting. So there was not a Kim Jong before him? No, okay. no, there wasn't. It's There's Ill, a Kim so. Jong after him. <laughs> now his son that's following him is Kim Jong-un, right? Yes. On? It, Kim Jong-un, yeah. Kim Jong-un, okay. So Kim Jong-il, very nicely done, big dog. But uh, you, you know, Coach, I, I've had relations who, who, with Who bears a striking three, resemblance to Chaz Bono, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, slightly. I've never seen the two in the same place, to be quite honest. Well, take it easy, because I'm a long time, not a long time, I'm a, I'm a Chaz Bono fan. If you've heard him speak, I think he takes a lot of, what David Ols laughing over there. I, I, I like Chaz Bono. This guy's got a I lot to offer. I don't know who offer. Chaz Bono is. Huh? Who's Chaz Bono? You don't know who Chaz Bono is? Is he it's, one of these pop people? Because if it is, oh. I, coach, I pay no attention to pop culture. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of pop culture. It's, uh, Sonny Bono and Cher's cha- trans, Gender son, and that oh, son with no quote, quotation that, marks. Yeah, I had no idea. Seriously, I, I assumed it was Sonny Bono's son. Honestly, mm-hmm. just made no the that... just made the switch to become a guy a couple of years ago. Appeared on Dancing with the Star, but I've heard him on some uh, political shows, including uh, Bill Maher's show. What's it called? Real time. I, I don't have HBO anymore. Else, maybe yeah. I would have. Seen and the that, guy so. has some depth to it. And I was not aware, but it, David Olson is correct. He does bear some resemblance to Kim Jong Il. But at any rate, big dog. Uh, uh, no, no, the Sun Un. The Sun Un. Beg your pardon? Kim Jong Un. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, to Kim Jong Un. That's who yeah. you're comparing him to. Yes. Yeah. Chaz yeah, Bono even more so. looks like Kim oh, Jong Un. There's excellent. a striking resemblance between yes, the two. Yes, the cherubic face. Yeah, very good, David Olson. Nicely done. Nicely no, done. I, I can't wait. 
are we going to tease people and do that later on in the show, or would you want me to do the whole retrospective on Kim Jong-il right now? Okay, a retrospective would be outstanding. Keep it short. I'm hoping somehow you can combine the demise of Kim Jong-il and the Chicago Bear quarterbacking situation. I'm hoping there's a, a very poetic corp- correlation between the two, but go ahead, Big Dog. Well, the Bears quarterback situation is much more dire. <laughs> Then uh, what's going on with uh, who knows who's in control of those nuclear warheads in North Korea, Coach? I mean, I mean, who cares about that? We might have a guy from Idaho starting this week. Give them the Mike Martz playbook, and we won't have to worry about those uh, uh, nuclear uh, warheads. We, at least hitting our country, they'll probably you know be three countries over. Can can we just refer to him from now on as Mike Smart? Uh, as long as they don't bomb into short coverage. Okay, that that, that, that we don't we don't need that uh, at all. No, uh, how about this? I, I have the. I do know this whole Kim Jong-il thing, believe it or not, Coach, because I've had, you know, I've known a lot of Koreans. Mm-hmm. And believe this or not, okay, this man has a propaganda expert trying to make him look bigger than life in Korea. Mm-hmm. And he puts out, like, these unbelievable things. Like, like propaganda people have said that at a 72 whole course, he shot 38 under, which would be a 34 at a 72 whole course, and he had 11 hole in one. And there were like 15 people in his entourage that said they saw him do it. Otherwise, of course, they would be executed. Jerry Angelo just called. He'd like the phone number of that propaganda guy. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> needs it. Check this out. Now, I, I know you realize that he'd go around in the jumpsuit with the collar. That was that was his look. He really he, he wore a jumpsuit all yes. the time, Coach. One piece. Yes. And uh, I saw this thing on him where they actually should, they had to translate it, but it was like a news thing, and they made it look real. And they talked about how everywhere around the world, people are now, even including in America, are wearing the Kim Jong-il jumpsuit. And they had they had footage of like people in America, and all the guys are wearing Kim Jong-il jumpsuits at a uh, at, at a club. You got to YouTube this stuff. I was like, legitimately, I was I couldn't watch anymore because I have a hernia. I almost blew a testicle when I was watching this stuff. Okay, all right now <laughs> the Kim Jong-il propaganda. That's what people need to be searching. There's a few more, Coach. I'm losing track, but I almost keep myself. All right? That's too funny. Too funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that part's too funny, but if you look at it in semi, semi-serious semi retrospective, Big Dog, there's nothing too funny about it. In fact, uh, I use the word disgusting. And you've well, heard, me, you've heard me use it before when we talk politicians around this country or uh, in our country, I should say, who intentionally – and with a, a long-term thought process, add to their own personal greed at the expense of others that are struggling, making them even weaker. And it sounds weird, but I almost have, not almost, I definitively have more hatred for those type of people than I do. I know shooting and killing someone is worse, but the people typically that shoot and kill someone are at spur of the moment. They're mentally deranged. Obviously, they're both. Horrible, horrible things. You know, they're mentally deranged. But, but what I see from a Kim Jong II or some politicians, one uh, governor that's about to be in prison here in the state of Illinois, is, is thought out. They think about it. And it goes on for a long time. And they don't mind other people's suffering, and it adds to their greed, and that bothers me, big dog, to no end. And Kim Jong-il, unless you're here to tell me differently, was the ultimate example of that. Oh, yeah, I was I was just joking about it, like because like I can go on and on. They, they said the guy wrote like six operas. Obviously, it was fine, but he he treated his people ridiculously bad. Okay, these communist uh, countries, 
uh, people are impoverished there, and the people that do have money, the extreme small, like the one percent or probably less than that, yeah. live extravagantly. Uh, and I just love the way you tied it in because you know, just because our politicians here obviously aren't getting away with being able to say they shot a thirty-four on a seventy-two, and I don't mean thirty-four on. But they still, if you have power here, there's a lot of people that can manipulate stuff and really take advantage of it. And obviously, they're not taking advantage of Kim Jong-2's, you know, reign, but they can. So I think people should be aware of that. that there's Just because we're not as bad as that, bad stuff can still be done by our politicians. And when, when we're so-called, when, when we look at that as compared to what we are here in the United States, we seem extremely free. And there's a, there's freedom mm-hmm. of the press and all that. That's how we can be fooled a lot easier because these people that uh, are in power, they can give stories to the media and all of a sudden make someone look a certain way. It, it's just pretty tough, Coach. Try to delay breaking down the Chicago Bears as long as we can. The big dog and the coach and the two guys in a mic show beat the Schmoes. Football results coming up, too. Big dog, you alluded. And by the way, you want to chime in on our North Korea discussion or Bears talk or anything else that happened in the world of sports. Big Doug and a coach right here for you. Uh, 888-463-6748. 888-463-6748. Big Doug, you alluded to the fact that you uh, knew people that lived in North Korea or have relatives living there. Give us an idea. The people that lived there, what was their thought processes um, about Kim Jong-il and his the, reign? Uh, the... The best thing I can tell you is that South Koreans hate North Koreans, and not because like hate them like they hate them for the simple fact that uh, like Kim Jong Il is is evil, and they're like, why do you let this guy get away with what he does? And they're like, we know you're the one suffering. Well, why don't you do something about it? It's like what, it was like it's a, it's resentment like that because they can't stand the fact that a guy like that runs the country that borders them, and the fact that it, they all a lot of people in South Korea want Korea to be all one country again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in North Korea want it to uh, be one country again. And Kim Jong-il, obviously, is the at the time, was the, the biggest obstacle to that. So there was a lot of resentment towards North Koreans by South Koreans for that, because they, they felt them as they were gutless. You know, like, oh, you're poor because you decide to be poor. Mm-hmm. Want to run a communist country? Look, everybody, you're a communist. There's 99% of the people in your country are impoverished. Oh, look down here, we have, you know, we actually have the ability to sell goods and create jobs for ourselves and everybody. And so, I mean, South Korea right now is, without question, one of the most up-and-coming economies yeah. in the world. So they were like, the South Koreans really look down on the North Koreans. I think I they're... more resentment than it is hatred. That was the wrong word. South Korea, I believe, ranked number four in the USA Coaches Poll for up-and-coming countries. Uh, might even be higher than that, Coach. Do you possible. The ports that they're building are incredible. I mean, they're incredible, the ports. That, they, they have the world's largest seaport that just opened up two years ago mm-hmm. it's eight miles long eight it's, it's like it's just it's larger than it's twice as large as the second largest one in the world wow and wow. They, the, the amount of money like something like somewhere between like two to ten billion dollars a day goes through the place that's a lot of money that's not bad no it's not, that bad, is not bad now let me let me ask you this going back to north korea here uh Historical expert and sports fanatic Joel Radwanski, better known to his adoring female fans as the Big Dog, joining us here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. Um, you mentioned how North Korea, you know, the, the people there are getting flack for not standing up to the regime. Is it a fear of speaking out and they, you know, get killed or something bad happens to their family, or b is the propaganda machine so tremendous that they don't realize? 
what is going on or obviously see a little bit of both? It's got to be C, right, Coach? Because let's, let's face it, there, nobody has uh, Twitter accounts and Facebook in North Korea because, they, I mean, they get, there's, it's almost impossible up there to really get word out. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So they have to figure out. Uh, th- this might sound absolutely ridiculous, Coach, but if you really think about what I'm uh, – the key in order to get knowledge out nowadays, because trust me, there's mobile devices in North Korea, is to bring in towers. Like the CIA brings in towers to actually allow people to communicate. Yep. So instead of guns, you know the they would say the you know the the pen is mightier than the sword. Well, a, a, a cell tower is uh, more powerful than a missile tower right now. If you think about it, if you, mm-hmm. in Egypt, that's exactly what the United States did. They had CIA was getting uh, mobile towers down there. It's freaking mm-hmm. awesome. So much better than bombing somebody here. Here's a, here's a cellular tower. Why don't you get the knowledge on what's really going on down here? We, we look no awesome. further than the uh, the Arab Spring is, is proof of that. That was the main yeah, and, that's the, and yeah. that's what they were doing. They were uh, The U.S. was getting uh, sol- uh, cellular towers down there. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, how'd they get the, how they, oh, I forget what it was, the Syrian one, where they were like, oh, how'd they get the, the cell towers back on? I guess maybe the government decided to let them have it. The U.S. didn't want to say it, but they were the ones who brought in cell towers. They're the ones that got it back up. Mm-hmm. Freaking great. That's awesome right there. So a, they've been doing that for a while, but that's still pretty cool. A monarchy, no question about it, depends on basically a lack of information or maybe even a better term is um, uh, they're able to guide the information that their public gets. The more yeah, you know, that there's widespread ability to find out other ideas via the Twitters, the Facebook, cell phones, etc., it's almost a natural thing that people are going to find out about it. They're going to see how disadvantaged they are. Then they start to protest, but they can only do that if they hear about it and they have the uh, uh, ability to, you know, to to, to horn in on a, a mass communication, shall we say? Think about how how they used to get the word out in between the in- invention of the balloon and up to. Uh, when they were in, uh, when the U.S. was in Kosovo, they got information out by dropping flyers from planes or balloons. So that's what about 150 years, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, boom! Overnight, we're setting up cell towers. Talk about the difference. Like five years later, we were dropping, we were dropping pamphlets from a plane, you know, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Now we're setting up cell towers so everybody can communicate to the world instead of us, just to them. What uh, we just had an email coming in. Bobby from Bolingbrook wants to know who is going to be. By the way, emails can be sent in to Mike Two Guys at AOL dot com. M I C and the number two Mike Two Guys AOL dot com. Who will play uh, the lead part as Kim Jong Il in the uh, movie on North Korea that Angelina Jolie will be producing in five years? I, I, I got to be honest with you. Like, who am I to say? Because uh, I'm really not sure about like. Uh pop culture, but if you guys have ever seen Kenny Main's uh, main, uh, Kenny main, main event, you know what I'm talking about, main event? He's got a recurring character who's Korean that <laughs> happened to be signed by the Seattle Seahawks in the in the, in the the 1990s for way too much money, and he was a total bust. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? He looked no. Just, they've actually talked about the fact that if Kim Jong-il ever needed a... A movie that would be it'd be him. There's your lead guy, David. I was thinking Jonah Hill, but I like I think I like Big Dog's guy yeah, even better. Jonah, well, yeah, Jonah Hill before he lost the weight. Yeah, no, yeah, you'd so. have to puff him up a little but, bit. But uh, Amy, Amy Poehler used to do a very mean Kim Jong Il <laughs> on Saturday Night Live a few years back. It was always hysterical when she very did. mean in more ways than one. Yes. Right? 
Yeah. By the way, speaking of Angelina Jolie, there she's got a movie coming out that sounds unbelievable. And I'm not sure it, it's it's not like a Christmas really. It's down the road a little bit. It's called Something and Honey, but it's about the whole Bosnian Serbian horrible things that went on during the what was the guy's name? Big Big Dog Milosevic. Uh, yeah, Milosevic. Oh, and the, you two want yeah. to talk about a de- it's a love story apparently, but centered around all the horrible things that happened at this particular time inside and apparently did a lot of research about we can kid about Angelina Jolie but she's truly uh truly an amazing person beyond yeah, would, the Hollywood so, but that movie's coming out and it's I've read a little bit about it the, it sounds the like land it's of blood really and honey is the name of what's it called the land of blood and honey yes and she produced it and directed it most definitively not a light comedy now I uh, I remember from that time. I was like 26 when I saw these images, but there was Europeans. I mean, what if, if people get unsold because I'm offended or not offended, but shocked that we saw Europeans in concentration camps behind the behind like the barbed wire, yep. you know, butt naked, you know, and thousands of them. And people were like, really in Europe? And the U.S. dropped pamphlets over yep. pamphlets. That's just like, and they're like, don't worry, we're going to get you out. Just hold on. A lot of the people just, there, just, according just, to you. saying, we're going to get you out of here. Don't worry about it. That's awesome. Awesome. Angelina Jolie's research, apparently, uh, a lot of the people at the time were, like, waiting for when is America going to come save us? When is America uh-huh. going to come help us? And it's kind of cool that they looked at our country like that, but kind of sad that nothing was done. And in addition to prison camps, Big Dog, there were, and this is really pretty bad, there were rape camps. Yeah. And I won't get into the gory details. I believe the movie deals with it uh, more than just a little bit, but uh, not just prison camp. They actually had separate places that were rape camps. Pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, we're bringing these things up as a way to transition into the Chicago Bears situation. Is that part of our strategy, Big Dog? Well, yeah, definitely not trying to be humorous no. uh, about any of that. Yeah, no, so. but the yeah. fact that we can transition out when we're ready to and talk about the Bears' difficulty, all of a sudden it puts things in perspective. Psychologically, I think that's why we started out with this particular topic. No, absolutely. When you every single Sunday, or if you you know the Bears are on Monday or Thursday, you know, if you're lucky enough to you get your three hours to separate yourself from the world and enjoy your Chicago Bears football, and if you've lost your dad, you can always think back when he introduced you to the game, and you know, and like stuff like that. It's good to get that. And that's why, so if they're good or bad, they lose. And if you really take it to heart, you really got to think about there's much more important things going on in the world. When Johnny Knox, the Chicago Bear receiver, who wow. you know I don't think is any good, I don't want him on the team, but I don't want to talk bad about him now because you know I've been saying he's horrible. I kept saying that. But i got to tell you something, Coach. When he was laying on the ground on Sunday, I was I could not move. I was I was so concerned about him, I can't even explain. They really put it in perspective. For all this guy that I've ripped, all year, and I was like, they can't, they can't play him anymore. He's bad. Yep. All of a sudden, he's laying on the ground. I'm worried that he might never walk again. Yep. Really put it in perspective how badly I've talked about well, it. I didn't notice it live, but when you look at the replays of that, it is absolutely one of the most grotesque hits I've ever seen. Yes. Yes, just the way he bends backward. You know, the broken leg of a Joe Theismann, that's bad. But, boy, seeing the back bend back as much as Johnny Knox, almost worse. Almost worse, because you can recover from a leg injury for the most part, but boy, the yeah. spine. And uh, you are right. We're, you know, he's got to undergo, he underwent surgery and has to, you know, undergo or overgo or go through some pretty serious treatment, but he'll be okay, football career or not. 
uh, you know, his back is going to be okay. He'll be able to walk, and he has feeling and stuff. But it could have yeah. been worse, Big Doug. And it shows you once again how violent that the game of football is. Yeah, it is. It is. And like I was legitimately worried. I, I'm not. I mean, I was so happy to hear that he was like moving his extremities and stuff. I was extremely. It was hard for me to like concentrate on the football game. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, what? What else could go wrong for this team at this point? You know, I was on it. That's what I was thinking. Like, this is the type of year that it's been is that he could be like really, really hurt. So I was just, I'm just glad that he's going to be able to walk again, let alone play football. Mm-hmm. Bear fans, so. you want to check in, talk a little NFL football from the weekend that was 888-463-6748. We all know by now the Bears losing the game 38-14. Disastrous second half. By the way, just as a quick optimistic note before we get too down on the Bears, big dog, my favorite play of the game. Mm-hmm. How about Adam Podlash, the punter? As Leon Washington is about to break into the open space for a touchdown, did you see Podlash turn on the Jets? Yeah, yeah, he looked like a football player there. So I've never that, seen yeah. a punter run that quick. Tremendous closing speed came out, and I was hoping that the Bears were going to come back and win the game at that point because I think he, they kicked a field goal out of that, so he saved four, four points. points. And I was hoping we could look back on that play. Obviously, it wasn't the case, but uh, I just wanted to mention that before we get into the the. Uh, Blood and guts of the game. Tremendous play by our punter. Yeah, that was a it was a phenomenal play. And after this game, I guess what the whole country is taking out of this is that the Chicago Bears can no longer play Caleb Haney. I mean, that's what everybody is saying. And I, I'm going to agree with the coach, but I'm going to say this. And in defense of Caleb Haney, who I will say right this should not start next week. How many of his teammates stepped up? and made his job easier as Chicago Bears. I would say Roberto Garza, because he has played phenomenal as of late. Other than that, the, other, the rest of the offensive line has been average. Okay, and then no playmaker whatsoever besides Khalil Bell, who is just finally starting to get a little tick and some carries, has done anything productive for him, honestly. Well, so before we hammer Caleb Haney, let's just remember nobody else has really helped him out. I, I don't know if you can blame the wide receivers as Best I can remember in this past game, anyways, they caught everything that was thrown to them. But, but it doesn't seem like anybody's ever getting open, getting separation. Okay, and, and I agree, and I agree. I think Caleb Haney is the biggest problem. There's no doubt about it. He is the biggest problem, Coach. So I don't want to be too apologetic on Haney's part. But you know what? When you got your backup quarterback out there, I, I, I just – Fight for the ball a little bit more. Try to get one better routes. Try to get open somehow. Get a little separation. Get a little distance between you and somebody. But mm-hmm. I got two of those interceptions he had against Seattle yesterday. He had a three run on, on Sunday. were just absolutely so horrendous. It was Brutal. pathetic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they were so bad. That one where he threw in the triple coverage over Roy Williams' head mm-hmm. behind him. Yep. You know, it was just like, I, I mean, I wouldn't have made that throw. Bad, bad There's decision. over there. Bad decision, bad execution. Uh, and he was hopping around in the pocket when he made that. He was all happy foot. So we we got to start Enderly to see if we have anything good for Green Bay Packers. Hope we can pull off a freaking miracle in what is hopefully not the last game of the season for the Bears. But I don't think they'll still be mathematically alive. I think there's a possibility as long as the Chargers beat the Lions, if the Bears lose, they would still be mathematically alive mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs. And the Eagles... The coach, the Eagles, still the might be mathematically yep. alive. And you know what? I'm going to say this right now. Since it's the least, it's the slimmest chance of happening between the the Giants 
the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Eagles winning is the slimmest chance. I'm predicting that's the one that happens. I thought in order for the Bears to make the playoffs, Detroit has to lose both their games and Seattle has to lose one or one of their games. That is the only way they're getting in. And, I, and the Bears have to win both their games. Yes. Oh, one game. to win that's obvious. Games. Yeah. If the, uh, that's if the Bears win one of their games, right? No, no, no. No, no they no. have to win both. Yeah. The only oh, oh, only oh, possible have, way is to win both games. They have to beat. Oh, my goodness. They're not beating the freaking Packers. But, oh, no, but, no. I'm, they're, not, I'm no, not giving no, up. No. They're, not, they're not beating the Packers. No. I'm not giving up. Trust me, I'm not giving up. Hey. But it's. Kansas yeah. City Chiefs beat Green Bay. It's been a year of upsets. It could happen. The big question is, who's going to be at the quarterback position? We got yes, David. Oh, it's Nathan Enderley time, without question. Yeah, so I, no, I, what I, do you mean without have, question? Without, There's definitely wait, 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 question. What, what else do you have to lose? You have to see what this kid has got. You may be right. Obviously, Haney's gone in the off season. He can't work in this system. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But well, you no, no, may no, be but right. This, but this but, hold on. But this system is also gone next year too. Because if Mike Smart is back. I'm going to become a Cincinnati Bengal fan for one season, okay, just for the heck of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'll, joking. I'll, that I'll go with their arch-rival Cleveland Browns, but I disagree uh, with David Olson. It's definitely not – it's not uh, without question. There's definitely questions, and maybe the answer is Nathan Enderley, but basically it's the opposite of the cake or cake with ice cream situation, Big Dog. You basically got four possibilities, none of which are good. Caleb Haney again. See if you can get lightning in a battle for the fifth consecutive time. That's not good. Uh, Josh McCown, you know, a month ago he's coaching uh, quarterbacks at high school level. He knows the and, system. And but... we know he can't play in the – we know at the best in the NFL he's a third-string quarterback, which no, that's not ripping on him. But we, we, we know exactly what he is. But he's had David experience. Price. He's had experience. Nathan Enderley, option number three. You're going to throw him to the Wolves on Christmas night against yeah. the Green Bay Packers, minus yeah. the Ricky's receiving core, struggling offensive line. It's not the ideal time to put a Nathan Enderley in there. Option number four, you bring back probably too soon a Jay Cutler who could re-injure that, well, that, himself. That, that is all. That is not even considered. Oh yes, it is. Well, not, not by Joel Redwanski. Okay. Well, that was- by Lovey Smith, it is, and here's the reason is, is because of what Dave Olson just ran down. There, if there's a possibility that the Bears can still make the playoffs, then Lovey Smith is at least considering Jay Cutler. But the bottom line is, none of those four options are very good, and I do happen to agree with David Olson. What the heck? Let's go, Nathan Enderley. And but you were upset that he said that's the. There's no question that, it, and no, I, and I agree absolutely. that that's Not the there, there, I understand that there's going to be options available, but if the uh, if the answer to the person is that you start Nathan Enderley, then they have serious uh, football decision making. They're lacking that because that, that's the obvious choice for this game. It's the obvious one to me. Because you understand, we know what Haney has, we know what McCown has, and unless Jay Cutler says I'm 100% healed, I don't want him. I mean, 100% coach healed. I do not want him under snap because, quite honestly. We finally have a quarterback. Let's not wreck him in an issue of pride to try to beat the Packers on Christmas Day. Yep, yep. I, I, I agree with you totally, totally. I, I think even if he was almost ready to play, they wouldn't even bring him back. You know, Please, why, don't, don't. why risk it? Why, why risk your franchise? Yeah, honestly, it? Coach, how long have we waited? The guy is going to break Sid Luckman's career record soon. I'm not kidding you. It's going to happen. We don't. I'm not ripping Sid Luckman. I love the man, but it's kind of embarrassing. 
that the Bears' all-time leading passer has 14,000 yards and the Bears' all-time leading rusher has 16,726. Just thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> Why do you find that That's, funny, Coach? Well, uh, you know, they say laughing is the closest emotion to crying. That's uh-huh. what I'm doing. I'm trying to uh, find a little bit of humor in a very sad situation. So uh, Cutler's got to be protected. Not coddled, not babied, because if he's 100%, the Packers get your butt out there, but we know he's not. So there's no reason for him. Here's a, I don't yeah, know why I just thought of it. Here's a sad statistic. How many Bear quarterbacks in their career had thrown for more yards than Drew Brees is going to throw this year? Yeah, well, the guys that started under center. <laughs> the amount of Bears quarterbacks that have started a game and have not thrown for 5,000 yards, okay, I I will do a little bit of looking into it on ProFootball-Reference.com. Can we can we take a guess and say the number is embarrassingly low? Can I do just from the merger time from 1970? Can I do that, Coach? Sure. That way it'll be a lot easier for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll do nice. And if I started from 1960 on, can you? The 60s were the worst year for that. The years for that. Oh my goodness, that was when the that's when the quarterback carousel started for the Bears. Yeah, for Billy uh, Wade back then, for Billy Wade, like a 15-yard pass was a bomb. Yeah, but you know what? Billy Wade took care of the ball. Rudy Bukic, yeah. Rudy Bukic, the backup quarterback. Who was the third-string quarterback who became the backup and then got a cup of coffee with the 63 Chicago Bears, one of my favorite names in all of football? Jack Concannon? Nope. Larry Rakestraw. Oh, that's not bad. Larry Rakestraw. I don't know why I always like that. Rakestraw. Now, Rudy Vukic, was he the guy that could throw the ball 85 yards in the air? That was a, the Bears had a quarterback in the 60s that had the, like, the greatest arm in the history of football, but the, everything else as a quarterback, he lacked, he rated a zero, besides the fact that he could throw the ball 85 yards. <laughs> that might have been Henry Burris the first. Oh, my God. Well, Henry. By the way, I can save you a little bit of time in your research. Don't bother looking up the uh, lifetime statistics of Henry Burris. I think I think we got that one covered. Yeah, that one we can put a check mark. He did not reach yeah. five thousand yards in his career. <laughs> All right, we got to do a quick NFL roundup. Up, wrap I, up. I'm looking there. at it. I don't. Nobody has over four thousand. Well, Jim McMahon has right in, in a se- in a season. No, no career. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, in, in I'm career. comparing Bear quarterbacks' careers to the ones that Breeze is going to throw for what four thousand yards this year. No, 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 Coach. He's going to throw for about 5,300 yards. The record is 5,084, and he's going to break it by over 200 yards. On pace. If he, if he throws for 310 yards the rest of the season, in his two more games, he'll break the record. <laughs> so he should end up around 5,300 yards on the same pace. And he will beat Dan Marino's record, right? Yes, he will. Single yes, he will. season, all-time yardage, and I hate to say it, Doc. If we go back to our NFL preseason preview show, uh-huh. I predicted the uh, not the total demise, but this year would be the beginning of the downturn of Drew Brees. I thought he was over the hill a little bit. Well, I just want to let you know, sort of the Saints, and they have the, Drew Brees is not going to sign a contract with the Saints because they're so far apart. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent when this year is done. And to be quite honest with you, everybody loves Albert Pujols, LeBron James, blah blah blah. There is nothing like a franchise quarterback. And Drew Brees is no lower than the sixth best player in the NFL right now. No I, lower than that. And I say we league. bring him in as a backup to Jay Cutler for next year. A little yeah. insurance. That's, I wouldn't mind that right now. Everybody <laughs> be rooting for hey, Cutler throw, throw to Knox. 
He'll fall down. Yeah. He'll be an interception. You'll try to tackle him. Oh, man. You talk Here about little this. things that can change the course of a – yeah, sometimes in yeah. politics it can change the course of a country when you talk about Johnny. the guy – the guy in Tunisia with his little Facebook entry, uh, that's an extreme case. But, yeah, Johnny Knox falls down. Jay so Cutler. Can I, huh? can, I do a, can I do a coach? Go ahead. Johnny Knox, in a three-score game, plants on an in-route with his inside leg, which is a no-no, and you learn that when you first run, learn how to run a route in Wee football. And he, his feet come out from under him. And because of this, Jay Cutler has to go make a tackle, and he decides to kind of half-ass make a tackle not really go in and get it. And because of this, he gets hit like a wet noodle and he lands on the ground and his arm is bent the wrong way and he happens to slam his thumb on the ground, breaks his thumb. Okay, so after this happens, everybody realizes that the Bears are going to run the ball. Well, they still believe they can win in Caleb Haney's first game, so they barely lose and they get beat by a punter and a kicker. The week after that, everybody knows Caleb Haney can't throw the ball, so the Kansas City Chiefs put nine guys in the box. Matt Spates going out to the block on a 49 power, and he looks, and he's like, wow, there's four guys here to block, so he decides to block the guy on the outside. Derek Johnson doesn't get hit because there's nine guys in the box. He flies in and hits Matt Forte right on his leg, and Matt Forte flips up in the air, realizes that he may have lost his football career, and they tell him later, well, you have a full MCL, you can play in two weeks. He says, well, I'm not playing if we're out of it because I haven't been paid my money and I want to get paid. So now the season is totally in the crapper, just because Johnny Knox decided to cut on an in route with his inside foot, which we all learn in your first time you run a rock. Let us, let us not forget a Hail Mary at halftime that the Bears knocked down perfectly. Caught by Kansas City. That was a big part of the 10-3. to Let us not forget about the end of the Denver Bronco game where the Bears had him beat. Last two minutes and eight seconds left. Broncos pull out the miracle. No religious puns uh, intended. Let us not forget the arrest. Maybe the biggest single drug arrest in all of sports of Previously, heretofore uh, unknown wide receiver, backup Sam Hurd. Let us not forget the disaster of Caleb Haney as a backup quarterback and then the near paralyzing injury of Johnny Knox in one month. The little slip of a wide receiver, the dominoes have fallen in the worst possible way, Big Dumb. Yeah, yeah isn't that amazing, Coach? The little thing. The little thing. Mm-hmm. When uh, they, last, last night when there was like nine different uh, – uh, outages, power outages during the Monday night game. Uh, they asked Dwayne Wade, what's the difference between you going to win the world championships? And now he's like, not much, just a little thing. And he's like, there's just one little thing here or there that if we do differently, we'll win a world championship. And he's totally right. One thing, one guy doing something as fundamental as planting on a proper foot, yep. which you think that a guy playing at the professional elite level would be second nature to him. Mm-hmm. That's the difference right now between – the Bears were the best team I've seen the Bears have since the late 80s and right now being the most embarrassing thing in the NFL. Amazing. Amazing. Remember, little things are the hinges upon which great things occur. Yeah, yeah. Thank and, you very and, much. Coach, uh, no, if we can get off the Bears. That's hey, real quick, though, i got, I got to gotta go back to one thing you said leading off the whole discussion there. The, the, uh, Jay Cutler, when he chased down the wide receiver with a half-ass tackle, I, I disagree with that. I thought it was a uh, – Full-ass effort, if you will. I mean, he chased it down, and then, you know, the blocker came at him. And he could have half-assed it at that point, but no. No, he took on the blocker, shed the blocker, and tried to fire out and get the runner. Now, I'm not saying it was a classic tackle, but I thought the, the effort was extremely good. Maybe it was too good because that's where he broke his thumb. So I would take issue with the half-ass effort. I thought for a quarterback chasing down a wide receiver, having to fend through a blocker, I thought it was a pretty damn good effort.
Okay, uh, I, I did say it totally wrong. I should have said half-ass execution. Yes. The effort was there. there the effort you go. was there, but if you watch there that you again go. and you didn't come where I'm coming at you, you'll be like, yeah. yeah, you're right. He kind of, he tried to worm his way into it. You know what I mean? Kind of like feel it, like, I don't know, and get his way in front of the guy. Yeah. And if he needed to kind of be a little bit more physical. He would have been better off. Yeah. He really would have. But you're, you're, he's a quarterback. He's not used to like getting leverage yeah. on a blocker in order to make a tackle. I mean, seriously, hopefully he'll never have to do that again. Uh, you were gonna or, bring uh, you were gonna bring something up real quick before we did the NFL round them up and wrap them up speedy style. Yes, last night the power outage. There was two power outages last night at Candlestick Park uh, during the the Steelers and 49ers game, and the first power outage went off at 5:19, which immediately was brought up by Steve Young and by Chris Chris Berman. That was the same exact time that the earthquake hit back in 1989. Wow. And there's 70,000 people there. They both, they, both of them freaked out. Steve Young said he was about to run to the center of the field because he was you know, doing the, the money that comes out. The whole lights went out in the whole stadium. So in the dressing rooms for like about a minute, there were the emergency lights didn't kick up, so it was totally pitch black. And they have the old baseball dressing room, so the Steelers are right on top of each other. It was not comfortable. Well, anyways... There was another power outage later after they got the game going. There was a couple 20-minute delays. But this is what I found interesting wanted to bring up. The NFL, which was concerned because there was another power outage, and, they, and since the, the power company had no idea why this was happening, they, was, they were afraid it could happen again, and they did, might have to cancel the game. And if that was going to happen, Coach, they were going to play today at noon. Okay. Can you believe that? They were going to resume the game today. Well, as opposed to what, what other suggestion? You know, you're exactly right, but, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I've, I've always talked about it. I don't feel sorry for these guys. They get paid all this money, blah, blah, blah. That would be the one time I, w- I would really show concern. Because I can't imagine playing an NFL game on consecutive days. That's basically what you'd be asking these guys to do. Well, but the bottom line is that the night before, they would not have played a whole game. <sighs> yeah, you know the whole... Once you have played, though, yeah, the soreness true. kicks in the next day is yeah. when the soreness kicks in. Mm-hmm. And I agree the whole, well, you only had half the amount of snaps on one day to the other, and I do realize that would help a tiny bit. But I would rather play two games in one day than play a half a game one day and a half a game the next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously, that would... Especially that. in a sport as violent where you got to get stretched out and prepared mentally and physically like the sport of football. It kind of mm-hmm. brings to mind a little pet peeve I had when reading about the uh, you know the NBA schedule, 66 games, you're going to have some back-to-backers and stuff, and you, you start to fall on that thing. You start feeling sorry for the NBA players, how they're going to play three games in four days. And you watch an NBA game. And I, I've said this before. I don't know my two guys in a mic days, but you remember this little mini – tirade back in my morning break days, Big Dog, where NBA players, first of all, most of them, play 20 to 25 minutes a game. There's only, what, two or three guys on a team that yeah. play 40 minutes. All right, yeah, there's no, but... there's referee, you know, there's free throws. There's timeouts. There's TV timeouts. There's the quarter break. I mean, they get tons of breaks within the game. Uh-huh. Now, when I used to go out, or and you know, there's some guys in their 20s, 30s, 40s right now. You play men's recreational basketball. You go two hours straight, and you break after a game, maybe 30, 35 minutes for a quick drink of water, and then you're back on the court again. No free throws, no timeouts, no TV timeouts, and you're getting up and down the floor. We're not obviously the same condition athletes, these guys, but I would argue 
that Harvey Glickman, the men's recreational basketball player, going over to the gym, playing in two, he goes at it harder than some of these guys in the NBA that have to play, God forbid, back-to-backs or three games in four days. Uh, so I don't hold a lot of sympathy for those guys. I don't think too many people do either. No, and I and I totally agree with you and understand where you're coming from. Now, obviously, the intensity and the amount of effort and energy that uh, eh. that somebody like Keith Bogans is putting out for 12 minutes a game is a little bit more intense than Harvey Glickman. Maybe, but, but if if you consider that, you know, if they go up there and they play every day for two hours, you're exactly right, coach. And they go home and their wife makes them some matzo ball soup. They yeah. eat them one at a time. They go to bed. These guys, they get iced down after the game. They get yep. the personal masseuse. Mm-hmm. They get that electronic stuff, that revitalization. They come, but they eat perfectly. And, you know, they come back the next day and, yeah, oh, it's going to be rough for these guys. They, they had to play four to five. You know, it must be a real rough life. I, I couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> couldn't agree more at all. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog and a coach got some other little news and notes to get to as well. Uh, real quick, beat the Schmoes football results. David Olson one and two. Over the weekend, so he's officially in a mini slump. I went two and one, Big Doug. I missed up on the Bears game. That's the one I missed, but the other two I got, including, by the way, thank you very much, Kansas City over the Packers. I didn't outright pick an upset, but I thought, you know, here we go with the, the brand new coach. Brand new coach always gives you a bump. In the case of Romeo Cromel, he's a big dude. It was a big bump, but I picked that particular game. Now, I know you had New England over fun. Denver, so you got that one right. Yeah, I went I went two and one, and uh, I got I got screwed in the bowl game. Which one? By a fifty-five yard field goal. The raging that, Cajuns. That would end up turning into a fifty-yard field goal. Don't worry, it's uh, one of the one of the players on San Diego State barked out something at the line of scrimmage, and they called the they called like some type of like offside mm-hmm. foul or whatever. They moved it up five yards, and the guy was able to make the field goal after that. I mean, barely make it. All right. But you went so, two and I one. I want to say this. Uh, yeah, I went two and one. I'm I'm doing all right now. So, uh, if I go two and one this week, I'll be at sixty percent for the year, coach. Well, let me just say you're yeah you're doing a little bit better than all right. And again, beat the schmoes is a game we uh, do every Friday. We invite the listeners uh, to check in via phone call, via email to try to beat the schmoes. Other shows by beat the pros. We hear at the two guys in a mic show by beat the schmoes. Any three games, it is against the point spread, so it's not so easy. Fifty fifty chance. Big dog, you have just uh, released your fifth consecutive winning week. 2-1, 2-1, Six out of your last seven weeks have been winning weeks, so you are officially uh, on fire, my friend. I appreciate it, Coach, and, and I'm pretty excited about it, and I know you're going to be like, oh, so you shouldn't be thinking about that. You're close to 60%. Well, this has been my goal all year is to get to 60, so I, all i got to do is go 2-1 and one this week, have a winning week, and I'll be at 60, which means I'll crash after that, but that's, that's something totally different. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did want to say this about my Beaker Schmoes picks. I took uh, the Patriots minus the seven against the Broncos, and I said, oh, stop the madness, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't that I was ripping on Tim Tebow. Okay, I just could I didn't think that the, the Broncos could pull it on the horseshoe out of their butt again. And even though I would admit, when you look at that game, everything told you that the Broncos were going to win, and I think that was finally when they were going to, uh, like, lay an egg, kind of, and they mm-hmm. should have. My goodness, they were dominating that first quarter. They did whatever they wanted to, and then they started turning the ball over, started putting the ball on the ground, and then after that, the Patriots, they just they were able to take advantage of it. So I, I, I did not want to be hating on the Broncos, and I do think the Broncos have a revolutionary offense, and if they can go out and get themselves a fullback, a tight end, and a wide receiver that doesn't mind catching three or four passes a game, but 
they'll be for 25 yards each in a touchdown, I think they'll be all right, and they have to get a backup that can do what Tim Tebow does. So I, I just wanted because I, I was kind of like making fun of I really have no problem with what's going on over there. I will tell you this, the biggest game all year, they go to Buffalo as the favorite coach this week, the Denver Broncos. How does Tim Tebow and the Broncos handle it when everybody says, oh, they should win this week, no problem. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are upset and they're picking the San Diego Chargers now to all of a sudden come out of nowhere and make the playoffs. But you're right, the Denver-Buffalo game will be interesting to see, and it's a rare situation for Denver to be a prohibitive favorite. Coach, so there's a chance that there's – I don't know how many, but we could have like three or four eight and 8-8 eight teams in the playoffs. Because whoever wins the NFC East can go 8-8. Eight and eight. That's, that's definite. Okay, the Lions could be 8-8 eight and eight in the as a wild card. That's – it's pretty likely, too, because they play the, the Chargers and they play the Packers. Okay, so they could lose both those games. And you look in the AFC, oh, my goodness, how many 8-8? Eight eight? Both wildcard teams will probably be 8-8. Eight and, eight, and the winner of the AFC West, no, excuse me, though, not both. The AFC, the wildcards are going to be, they won't be 8-8. Eight eight, but there could be, the winner of the AFC West is going to be 8-8, eight eight, most likely. Mm-hmm. All right, we got I mean, plenty of time during the week to break down some of the uh... – NFL playoff possibilities, two weeks left in the NFL season. We'll uh, definitely preview it tomorrow, Thursday. Of course, Friday will be uh, one of our many football Fridays we always enjoy here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. Big dog real quick in the time remaining. Some quick little titillating tidbits, news and notes in the world of sports. I have to mention this. I saw up on the screen about 30 seconds ago while you were waxing poetic on uh, Tim Tebow and the Denver Broncos. The Baylor Bears yesterday ranked number, I think, eight in the country. They beat uh-huh. they beat Paul Quinn University in college basketball yesterday. Paul, I got to tell you something. Paul Quinn. Paul Quinn is not as good as John Quinn University. Just want to let you know that coach. <laughs> oh, some of the matchups have been just unbelievable. Some of the uh, these better teams just trying to pile up the victories, but had to put that one out there. While we're on the college basketball topic, your thoughts of your uh, beloved Fighting Illini losing to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. At the United Center, Illinois had their first big test of the year. They flunked it. That wasn't their first big test of the year. Who did they uh, beat? They've won at Maryland. Eh. Not the Maryland of our Father's Day. Oh, well, I, whatever. They're not. You're right. But it went, I went on the road. It's pretty good. Yeah, they, they look bad. The UNLV is better than them, period. I don't know how UNLV is not ranked. UNLV... Beat North Carolina when they were the number one team in the country, and this—I mean, they don't. I, you know, they has one loss. They looked awesome, coach. That team you might want to look out for in the tournament because they have quality guard play, and they got a bunch of long and athletic dudes that can defend all—you know—the the post. So mm-hmm. that's a team that you need to look out for because those are the two most important things: post defense and guards that can handle the ball in college basketball. No question about it. That's why, by the way, I'm still picking Florida. As my NCAA championship pick, great guards, developing freshmen, and uh, a strong post player in the middle. I think they're ranked like nine or ten. They got a couple of defeats, but they're still my pick to win it all. Yeah, that's that's my, that's a good for, that's a good uh, that's mm-hmm. a good what do you call it a formula for success in the NCAA tournament. By the way, on the women's side, we should mention the the two Goliaths right now. Women's basketball met over the weekend. Baylor. Baylor defeated Connecticut 66-61, rare regular season loss for the Lady Huskies. Brittany Griner, I'm sure you're familiar with her, 6 feet, 6 inches tall, 25 points, Big Dog. 9 rebounds, 9 block shots. Brittany Griner, the new 
Candace Parker is a star of women's basketball. And she's got like some ridiculous wingspan. I don't know. It might be seven foot how long her wingspan is. She's crazy looking. How she can just cover so much ground and, and block shots. She's extremely impressive, coach. And uh, it was uh, Baylor fans showed a lot of class when they introduced introduced Gino Oriama. He got a standing ovation from the Baylor crowd. Yep. And you know what? You know what? He deserves a standing ovation for this. Simple fact that Connecticut every single year goes out. Their non-conference schedule is legitimately mm-hmm. Tennessee, Stanford, Baylor, whoever the biggest teams in college, women's college basketball is, Connecticut goes out there and yep. puts them on their schedule, which yep. is pretty cool. Got to give him credit for that. He is a legend in his own mind, Gino Oriema. Uh, mm-hmm. Real quick, Division Three college football, Mount Union losing. In a battle of uh, two teams that are almost always there, championship time, Division Three football, Wisconsin-Whitewater, 13, Mount Union, 10. I knew you were shocked, if not dismayed. Yeah, no, what do you mean shocked? I, I thought Whitewater was going to destroy ah. them. I guess I was shocked. I, 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 after watching both teams, I was shocked that uh, what it was was Mount Union moved the ball at will on them, and then Whitewater was making incredible plays, forced a turnover, and returned it for you know, huge yards, and then Heather field goal kicker kept a field goal at. Whitewater got out by the skin of their teeth, Coach, and that was the seventh consecutive year the two of them have played for the for the Amos Alonso Stag Trophy. That's absolutely amazing. Amazing level of consistency. We should also throw a shout-out to, I believe, the NAIA champions right here from the city of Chicago, St. Xavier, mm-hmm. winning the right. NAIA football championship right here in the city of Chicago. I think it's the first college football championship we've had here since, what, the University of Chicago Maroons? That would that would that would be right, Coach. And it's pretty cool. That was the first year that they've ever had the NAIA football championship. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Bro. They defeated Carroll College of Wisconsin. Uh, speaking of football, over the weekend the bowl season began, my friend. The New Mexico Bowl, Temple over Wyoming, the Potato Bowl, Ohio, in a thriller over uh, who'd they be? South Florida? Utah no, Utah. State, Coach. Utah State, twenty-four twenty-three, and then in the New Orleans Bowl, it was. Um, San Diego State losing to who the heck did they lose? I can't even read my own writing. They lost to Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns, coach. And uh, Ronnie Hillman, the, the the stud running back from San Diego State, got completely and utterly shut down. And San Diego State was able to muster offense after that. But the the number three leading running back in the country did nothing against the Raging Cajuns. Those fans down there, beware, okay? Because the Lafayette Raging Cajun fans were crazy. I, that game was the, the national championship game where Alabama plays LSU is in the same place, and those LSU fans are even crazier than those Raging Cajun fans. Coach, that, did you? If, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. But no, the I did not. In that building was electric, and you of all people who want to save the bowl games and not go to a playoff. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know you can have both. I don't want to get into all that, but you that was the bowl game that you needed to watch, how much fun those people were yeah, having. This was a classic example of, uh, you know, people make fun of the, quote-unquote, the lesser bowls. This was a great game, highly contested. Unfortunately, we didn't see it, and, and great crowd atmosphere. People who are poser college football fans make fun of the lesser bowls. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's exactly well, right. I don't really care about college football. Exactly. Right. Real quick, by the way, Wicked Wendy. Wicked Wendy has emailed in. Please ask Big Dog uh, to break down my favorite bowl, which is tonight Wicked Wendy's favorite bowl, apparently the Beef O'Brady Bowl. What is First of all, what is the Beef O'Brady uh, product? I'm not familiar with it. And two, in honor of Wicked Wendy, what happens? Florida International versus Marshall. Uh, Florida International will put a beat down on, on, uh, on the thundering herd of Marshall. 
there's a Florida International has got a bunch of like playmakers on the outside, a lot of corners, wide receivers, a lot of speed on Florida International. These are the kids that didn't have the grades to get into Miami. To you, mm-hmm. eh, grades are overrated. What's that? Yeah, and I agree. Actually, yeah. Florida International could be the next great school <laughs> in college football, and I know what I just said might shock people, but I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. So they're going to beat Marshall. What about what is the Beef O'Brady product? I'm not familiar with that. It's, Coach, uh, I only learned because of the bowl last year. And it's funny. It comes in a bowl, and it's like basically beef and sauce, and you put it in the microwave, and it comes out, and it's just like tasty. Have you ever seen uh, uh, Have you ever seen the, the Seinfeld where the horse eats the beefaroni <laughs> yeah. or whatever the heck they call it? It's like no. the same exact product. <laughs> and then it gets gas, and it bursts in George's uh, parents-in-law's face. <laughs> Ah, goodness. I haven't seen that one, and I think I'm all the better for it. No, I haven't uh, seen that particular one. Thank you. Yes, David. (laughs) I I thought Beef O'Brady was like a Bennigan-style chain restaurant. Oh, you're right. It is. That's exactly what it (laughs) is. Okay. It's Bennigan's with a sports theme, basically. I was going to correct you, Coach. I had no idea what it was. I really had no idea. (laughs) I bought it. Sounded good to me. You were (laughs) were, uh, were making it out to be like a dinty stew, or what's that stuff called? The... The package. Dinty Moore. Yeah. yeah, Dinty Moore. Yeah, by the way, Dinty Moore and Beef O'Brady, I think two years ago, both ran in a hotly contested race for the governor of uh, the state of New, uh, Louisiana. And I believe uh, Beef O'Brady won. There is not a state in America that has had a more powerful election than the state of Louisiana. I'm that's not kidding, Coach. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, whether you're talking – it's unbelievable. You go down – just the history of politics in the in the state of Louisiana – Shows you how corrupt the rest of the country. Maybe we could have like the ACC Big Ten challenge. We could have like the uh, you know Illinois versus Louisiana corruption challenge. Yeah, coach, that would <laughs> actually be a good bit. A good bit. Sad, but Just true. Be like, well, what we have now, we had. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Who was the guy that got milk from uh, Louisiana? Yeah, we got to. You know what? People. We got to wrap up the show. We could talk about it tomorrow. I also want to mention real quick: Illinois volleyball did lose the national championship game to UCLA. Big Dog will be back at it tomorrow um, in case Wicked Wendy, Cinemax, Cindy, or any of our females want to find out in five seconds or less where might you be today in case they want to get an autograph. Uh, working out, getting stuff done, and then hanging out with my girlfriend the rest of the night. Very disappointing on behalf of Wicked Wendy. Well, she can come hang out, too. Uh, have a great day, my friend. We'll talk tomorrow at 10. Peace out. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, signing off. Have a great day tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Don't be late.